You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your aeroflight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Well, it's that time for another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Hopefully everybody's having a good week, good month. I guess the month of August has just kicked off. It is hotter than balls out here right now in Iowa. The humidity is b- bananas. The The heat is bananas. And uh, I know down, down south, the guys who listen to this down south are probably just laughing at me because it's hot down there all the time. But here in Iowa, it typically doesn't get this hot. It's supposed to get into the hundreds, the high 90s, the hundreds, and in the heat index even higher. And a lot of that has to do with the crops, right? I, I don't know what the, the technical term for it is, but because of all the humidity that the crops in Iowa put up, it actually the, it increases, the I believe, the dew point and which increases the temperature in the heat index and so uh the crops are great but the residual of that is higher temperatures in the summertime and and whatever we've had a pretty good uh we've had a pretty good summer so far all i need is for the big bucks to show up on trail camera as of right now i have zero shooters here in iowa and uh, i know something will show up probably closer to the hunting season and then as we get into the september shift but uh It'd be nice to see a giant on trail camera come through one of these days and, and kind of ease my mind just a little bit. But I'm going to do the commercials right now. Then I'm going to get into the intro of, of this podcast because I, I feel like I need to focus on this. This, this was an absolutely excellent episode. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a really good time 
answering or uh, uh, talking with Tyler Jordan here today, and I'm going to get into that here in a second. But I'm gonna, I'm going to get the commercials out of the way, then get into talking about what this episode's about. So. First off, Tethered, if you're looking for a badass saddle, if you're looking for a company that puts out content to make you a better hunter uh, and and how to use their products more efficiently, you need to go check out Tethered's Tethered's website. You need to check out their platforms, their saddles, their uh, climbing sticks, and all the accessories that they have that go along with it. Awesome company, awesome people. They're passionate about uh, getting out there in a tree, hanging from a saddle, and trying to shoot a deer. And I'm really excited to get out there and give it a try this year as well. Rock Wasp Archery. This this company gets me jacked up every time. I don't know what it is. It's like if I was to compare their broadhead to a superhero, it would be Thor. For some reason, the Thor just pops out. And, uh, dude, awesome material, awesome design. I'm very confident in in their products, right, and the material. The people behind the products are also passionate about the outdoors, and they want to see the trophy shots, right? They don't want a product that's going to be dog shit. They want a product that's going to do what it's designed to do, and that's just completely destroy whatever it hits, have a blood trail, and you follow it and there's there's the deer of a lifetime at the end of it. So wasparchery.com. If you are looking for a discount code, it is NFC, what is it? NFC20 for 20% off. Hunt stand. Dude, it's that time of year where if you can't get out and scout, right? If you can't get out and hang trail cameras, if you can't do all these things, you should at least pick up your phone and start scouting or looking at the properties that you have access to or looking at the public ground access routes, uh, looking at terrain features, looking at food sources, looking at uh, maybe water access. Hell, I don't care what it is. Hop on HuntStand. First off, you can download it for free. Hop on HuntStand and start scouting. And, and that, at least you're doing something right now to get you familiar with the terrain that these animals live in, right? Then you can put the boots on the ground. And once you put the boots on the ground, you can start observing. Here's a rub. There's a scrape. I'm going to hang my stand here. I'm going to access here. And you document all of that using their, their pins, right? You drop a, a waypoint or a pin. And that allows you to really, really document the properties that you hunt the more documentation you have the easier it is to reference and when you reference it it becomes like forecasting deer movement it's it's beautiful right so go check out uh, huntstand.com check out all the functionality that this this offers it's very affordable compared to the other uh the other uh, uh hunting apps out there and i'm telling you right now man it's one of the most popular for a reason so go check out huntstand.com discount code sn20 for 20 percent off And then we have Vortex Optics, vortexoptics.com. Again, a group of people who are passionate about not only their, like the the outdoors, but your success, right? They want to see you be successful and and they want you to do it with their products. And they, if you put out dog shit products, right? You're not going to have a return customer, but these guys don't put out dog shit products. They, it's, it's, it's an amazing company, amazing products, amazing customer service. And to top it all off, they have this VIP warranty, right? The VIP warranty is 
if you damage it, and I'm I'm getting ready to take advantage of this myself, uh, the whole cover pulled off. The, the rubber coating on one of my uh, binoculars, I've had it for seven years, it finally tore off. And I think my kids were picking at it or something. But I'm going to turn it in. They're going to work on it for whatever, however long they work on it. They're going to send it back to me. And I know, because I've used this VIP warranty before, that it's going to come back just like new. It's going to be come back fixed. It's going to come back better than the way I sent it. And that's their VIP warranty. The best part about it is it's free. There's no cost to you, right? So they they want return customers when it's time to buy the spotting scope, the rangefinder, the rifle scope, the red dot, whatever whatever products they offer. They want return customers and they do that by treating you really well, right? So go visit vortexoptics.com and take a look at all their product line. And if you have questions, call their customer service line and talk with guys like Ryan Muckenhern, who all the, all he wants to do is help you solve your problems, whether that's optics related, whether that's strategy related, gear related, whatever, that's what they're there for. So uh, give, give Ryan Muckenhern a call. Other than that, guys, today's podcast is badass, right? So one of the very first... One of the very first uh, names that I became familiar with back in the day was Bill Jordan. And, and you know, I, I, I think and I look back at, I had a stack of the Monster Bucks uh, DVDs, right? And some of these, these Realtree DVDs that were put out. And it was Bill on there. And so I... I, he was the first name that I, I kind of became familiar with in this hunting space, right? I didn't realize how big it was at the time and what Realtree really created. And, you know, when I got familiar with Bill, I got familiar with Realtree, their camel patterns, and, and just the, the impact that the company of Realtree had on this industry and in the heyday, which was like the 90s and early 2000s. And so now we have... Tyler on the podcast today to talk about growing up in that, right? Where he would talk about lines of people wanting to meet his his dad and he didn't really understand he really didn't understand it at the time. And so we talk about his youth growing up. We talk about, you know, did his wife know what she was getting into when they got married? Right. We talked about how his dad didn't want to pressure him into coming back and working at Realtree or or hunting for that matter, and how he kind of naturally found his way back to it. That's an that's an epi, um, an awesome uh, conversation right there. And then we talk about the future. We talk about um, how he's excited that he was able to be the leader on creating a new camo for the company uh, that's coming up. He talks about that. It's just a really good conversation behind people in this uh, community, behind people in this industry. It's not very strategy related, but it is kind of a, a biography uh, of sorts uh, about, you know, Tyler. So I had a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun doing these. There's going to be a lot more of these coming up. And so what I want to know is if there's anybody that you feel I need to interview. Um, I have a handful of uh, people that are on my mind. They're not. It's going to be 
it's it's not going to be the hunting strategy focused conversations that they have been in the past or that you know they are on other podcasts i want to get to know the people the people behind what you see and i think that has some value as well kind of see what makes them tick see who they are uh, what they do maybe when the cameras are off or when the they're not behind the bow or or things like that so awesome episode with with uh, Tyler. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. Good vibes to you guys today, man. Hopefully you're all feeling well. Enjoy this episode. Let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know what you think of this podcast or all the podcasts that I've been putting out recently. And uh, man, we'll go from there. Enjoy. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Tyler Jordan. Tyler, how we doing, man? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, of all the people that I've had to have had on this podcast, I think so far this is the longest period of time it has taken to schedule a an individual to get on. It sounds like you have a pretty busy life. Man, I tell you, the last couple of years, I'm, I'm sure with everybody, and I apologize, I apologize it's taken so long uh, to, to get on here. Hopefully it will not, we're not going to let this much time pass in between the next podcast, hopefully. <laughs> right. But I think with the uh, last couple of years, I just got married uh, two years ago, um, have, have been traveling a lot just with work and uh, for Realtree road trips that we're, that we're shooting. It's just been kind of, been kind of hectic and then on top of that just trying to help help out with some of the pattern launches and, and traveling a little bit for dad um you know we just finished up um uh, another another camouflage pattern that's going to replace max five um and so that's just been there's been a lot going on but I'll, I'll say it's all been good stuff uh so you know we're we're, we're excited and, and have a lot of good things going on right now, but yeah. my apologies for taking so long. I will not, I will not let that happen again. That's all right. That's all right, dude. I, I'm the, I'm, I have to cancel plans every week, uh, whether it's personal or business. And, and so I get how life is and, and, uh, um, I, I always think it's going to settle down, but it never does. Right. I mean, for, for me, yeah. it's like, I got three kids and I'm getting into activity. The, the, the part of the life where it's like activities every single night. And I got another kid coming in and it's just there, it, right now, everything has to be right now, because if I plan it a week out, it's going to probably get rescheduled. So, so God, that's such a, that's yeah. such a really good point. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same way with me too. I, I tell my wife too, she's always asked me, she's like, you know, what's your plan on kind of you know, slowing down or scaling back a bit. And it just feels like it'll never get there. Like I say, you know, on, on the traveling, you know, give me two to two to three, you know, maybe four years, and then we can try to dial some of that back. But I feel like, you know, a lot of people say that. I mean, I, I remember, you know, my dad traveling back in the 90s and 2000s. And he would always say, man, just, you know, one, you know, another year, two years. But I feel like, you know, dad stayed on the road for a really long time and that, you know, he's, he's changed a lot now and having a younger brother and sister that are well younger than me, I have a 16 year old sister and a an, uh, 13 year old brother. And so that has really kind of slowed him down, but it just kind of seems like, seems like we're always moving quick. Yeah. Um, but 
that's that's not all bad too no no that's life right you're experiencing life and and there's people that probably sit back and they're more observers of life or and then there's people who are go-getters right they they like to move and and i tell you what when you're moving it's exciting that's right no you're 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 exactly right i mean I, i can't imagine what it would be like just to be just to move at maybe a slower pace. I yeah. feel like we're always going or doing something. And um, it, it, there's always something, like you right. said, every, every week there's a, there seems to be like another, another adventure um, that we're going on or another project. But uh, you know, we've, it's, it's a blessing too. Yeah. You know, I don't, I yeah. don't know if I would rather have it any, any other way. It would probably mean things are not going as smooth or as good. So um you know, I consider it all a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so how long have you been married now? It's pretty recent, right? Yeah, I got married. Um, so it'd be uh, last, we just celebrated our one-year anniversary, May 15th. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so that's been, and we dated for four years. We actually met out there at Old Miss. That's where I, I went to school. It's where my dad went to school and played football. Um you know, and so, you know, tr- trying to balance that. No kids yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I get asked that a lot. Uh, you know, nothing in the plans, but if it happens, it happens. But, you know, I listened to your podcast with Tony Peterson and, man, what's some, that's some great wisdom and great advice from him on uh, maybe leaving money or slipping money somewhere and telling her to go find <laughs> it whenever you're on the road. Right. For right. a long amount of time. I mean, that was like, that was like the best advice I literally have ever heard. And, uh, you know, it always seems like I heard you say, would you rather, you know, buy her something like a big present, like a car or something, or, or would you rather just leave money? Um, I think for her, it would probably work to just slip money some places and <laughs> tell her to go find it. That way maybe it'll, uh, brighten her mood, you know, when I'm on the road for, yeah you know, more than a week or two. Yeah. Um, cause you know, a lot of our stuff that we do, if, and I'm, I know you're probably the same way as every deer hunter. We go to several different places, Nebraska, Kansas, um, I have a place in Canada. I'm going this year. Uh, you know, but when things are good and you see a weather change, sometimes you may leave the day of, or the very next day that, that wasn't planned. Right. And I think that's what can be kind of complicated, you know, being married, uh, but she understands it. I mean, she's been with me for four years or five years now. Um, she gets kind of the grind, but you know, yeah. it is kind of abrupt when you're like, Hey, this deer just showed up or we got a cold front coming in in a couple of days. I'm going to go to Kansas and get a stand hung and, and, um, and try to hunt. So, um, anyway, I, when I heard that, I was like, man, that's some, that's some <laughs> great advice that I wish I would have, uh, wish I would have listened to early on. Right. Right. So kind of a, uh, from a relationship standpoint, I mean, before I was married, I had, uh, I was dating a girl and while I was dating her, it got serious, but that's when I kind of found deer hunting. Right. And, and when I mean found it, I mean, I'd, I'd always been a hunter, but that's when I took, started taking it serious. I spent way more time right. going into the woods. So it kind of took her a little off guard. And eventually I'm not going to say it, it's the only reason, but it was probably one of the reasons why that didn't work out. So with my, right. with the, with my wife, the first thing right out of the gate was, listen, this is what I do. 
okay? I'm going to be gone for certain periods of time in the fall, and you're going to have to deal with it because if if you don't, this isn't going to work out, right? Because, I mean, that's who I was. That's what I – and she accepted it, right? Now, there – so – did she know what she was getting into? I mean, even at Old Miss four years ago when, you know, she started dating you and, and uh, I mean, from from the, the time that you started dating all the way till now, I mean, did does she understand that this is the life, this is your style? You know, I think early on, just because, so I graduated the spring, um, I graduated a year before her. So it was a little bit easier because I was living back here in Georgia and she was in Mississippi. So it was a little bit easier for her to understand or, uh, you know, that that my life, that it kind of was some things that I do were kind of abrupt and very last minute. Um, you know, my, my family is not really big on planning out anything far in advance, especially during deer season. Yeah. So that first year, I think she didn't really understand what all that entailed. And then when uh, then when she moved the year after she graduated and then, you know, we'd have a trip plan together to, to do something or go somewhere. And I'd be like, look, I'm you know, there's a cold front in Kansas, you know, starting next week. I know yeah. I, I talked about coming to see you in Jackson. She was in Jackson for in pharmacy school. I was like, I'm probably not going to be able to do that. I was like, I'm probably going to need to go and take advantage of this. So that way I don't have to go back and in November or even later. Um, and then we can, you know, try to schedule and do some stuff later in the fall together. Um, if we're able to go in here and get a deer killed. So, uh, that was, those were difficult times. Um, but I think she, it, you know, when, when you're long distance too, yeah, you know, you can interpret that as man, maybe he doesn't want to be with me. Maybe he's just coming up with an excuse Yeah. when no, really that's just kind of how, that's how life is during deer season for us. I mean, um, you know, my, my mom was saying, was telling me that, you know, it was frustrating in their relationship that they'd have plans. And then dad would just up and up and leave just because somebody sent a picture of a big deer, um, you know, from the milk river or Nebraska. And, um, so I, you know, I'd say that first that first year after she graduated was the most difficult. Yeah. Um, but she's a pretty understanding person. I got really lucky with her, and you know now she just kind of understands that's just that's part of the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it probably doesn't hurt too. Like from where I sit, if I didn't make my money off of doing this, and I was going to another job, whether I was a factory worker or sitting in a cubicle somewhere. And this, this was just hobby and not necessarily business. I don't think I'd be able to get away with as much as I do. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I definitely have a little bit of an excuse there that, you know, when we're going on trips to film it for a show or for entertainment value for a licensee or partner, um, you know, I, I guess I have a little bit more leadway with her there and she has, she has understanding. I mean, I, I'd say I got. I got really lucky. I mean, I've had relationships before where, uh, you know, when we were younger, that was probably tough for them to understand, but I got lucky with, with her. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. So, all right. Your dad is, yes, he is one of the OGs in the hunting space. You know, the, the founder of Realtree, 
right? And which is one of the most, if not, in my opinion, the most iconic brands in the hunting outdoor and now even in transitioning over into the, you know, the fishing space and other outdoor spaces. So let me ask you a little bit, and this is going to be a very high level question, but like, what was it like growing up in, in that space as, you know, I guess you want to call it the good old days of, of the hunting industry and, and the hunting community, that, that space. Yeah. Who would have thought those were, those were the good old days. Right. I mean, you know, I, I certainly didn't. Um, I mean, it was definitely, um, it was a lot of fun, but you know, Dan, I, I think for me, when, cause just because I was so young, I don't even know if I realized at the time, I mean, maybe this is what we were talking about earlier, just things moving so fast. I didn't even realize maybe how big of a deal uh, everything was back then. You know, it, it was nothing for me at four or five years old to, to go to one of the Bass Pro Fall Classics with dad and, or go to other appearances with him. And, you know, you would think dad or in David Blanton and, and Michael, you would think they're, they're Chipper Jones mm-hmm. or somebody, you know, the lines would be so long for, for people to want to just shake their hand or, or meet them. Um, but, you know, I think uh, what really kind of put Realtree on the map back then was, you know, TNN. I mean, TNN was a, just a monster back then, um, you know, country music, uh, NASCAR, hunting um and so like a southern a southern lifestyle reflection of the southern lifestyle that's right and you know it um i don't i don't know i don't even know it's it's hard for me to even put into words because i i i i I didn't even really get to appreciate it at that age until maybe i was 15 or 16 just how big of a deal all of that was yeah um you know, and I don't even know, I've, I've, dad and I've talked about this too. It's just, you're trying to grow a business. You know, you also have your television show, which is big at the time with TNN, then transitioning there from ESPN. It's not that he didn't enjoy it and didn't realize how big of a deal it was, but um, you just don't really get to, you don't have a lot of time to just appreciate, uh, you know, the impact that you've had on an industry um, and then a whole generation of hunters and in a hunting community. I mean, there's yeah. real tree has been responding. I, I think dad has said this too. It's just way bigger than, than him. Yeah. It's way bigger than our family. Um, you know, I think the brand means a lot to so many people for different reasons. Um, you know, real tree, I think has been responsible for, you know, finding a lot of talent um, that's still in the industry today. I mean, you look at somebody like a Lee and Tiffany Lukoski and, you know, I've heard them say this. I mean, they're, you know, they, they, they have real tree to thank for, um, you know, try, helping put them on the map. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's, uh, and you know, monster bucks. I mean, that was just, there's, there's no bigger DVD, uh, series than, than monster bucks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just all, uh, yeah, it was really, it was, it was cool getting to grow up and, and be a part of that. I know it was, it was something that I, you know, look back on now and just realize, wow, I mean, that really was, the golden age of outdoor television and deer hunting in general. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I have an appreciation for just being a, a very small part of it and just getting to witness a lot of that yeah. because that's, uh, that's something not a lot of kids growing up get to do. Yeah. That's a fact. 
I want to talk about, you know, so you're, you're part of this. You, you really don't realize what you're a part of until you start to get to an older age. And, you know, and a lot of that comes with age. You can say, oh my God, man, this is, this is bigger than what I, I thought. Right. You know, like Tom Brady's kids probably don't understand the younger ones maybe, or when they were younger, how great or big of a deal his impact on football what is or or was right they don't know That's that right. until they get older right so as you sure as you start to get older um what where was your what was your involvement in in this whole thing i mean were were you just observing was your dad saying hey sit back and watch right now or was he saying hey come on let's get in the truck yeah yeah, no, I, I think dad really wanted me to focus on trying to be a kid and grow up and figure out what my passion was. Um, you know, he never wanted me to feel pressured and, and being a part of uh, this industry or this company, unless it's something I really wanted to do. So that's why he encouraged me, which I kind of always, always envisioned going to Ole Miss anyway, but he's like, man, go, you need to go enjoy yourself um, and don't feel pressured you know, to be here right now. Um, you know, and I, I love going and hunting and getting to hunt with my family, especially going to get to hunt with dad. You know, dad's a little bit older now. He's 72 and he doesn't travel like he used to. And, um, you know, my deal was, I, I just, I wanted to help him. I, well, one, I wanted to hunt with him, but I wanted to take over some of that responsibility for him because I knew he was looking to slow down a little bit. And so I did feel maybe a little bit of pressure there. Um, and wanting to involve myself more on the video side in the business, um, you know, just so dad could take a little bit of a step back, but, you know, I'm glad I listened to him, you know, going off to college, those four or five years um, were really important for me, just kind of figuring out who I was and, uh, you know, just learning more about myself. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that dad didn't pressure me to jump into the business right away. Right. There, there was a thought, that man, maybe when I graduate high school, I'll just, I'll go straight into the business. And, and, and that was a thought for me that, that I was seriously considering. Yeah. But, um, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't. Um, and, and, and dad just never, he never put a, a ton of pressure on me that I even had to do this at all. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that I found my way back here just naturally because this company and the people in here, um, the people that we're associated with, with partners and pro staff. I mean, this is an extension of our family in a sense. Yeah. Um, so it just feels, it feels like home being back here. Yeah. And oftentimes what happens is, I mean, I've experienced this on a different level. Like when I was, and I've, I've said this a lot, but when I was uh, young, my father used to put a little bit of pressure on me uh, for baseball. Right. And so I, yeah. I kind of got burnt out in baseball. Right. And I loved baseball. And so here I am as a father catching myself doing the same thing that my dad d did to me, to my boy. And I'm just like, OK, I need to step back and, and, and let him find this love for baseball himself, not to be, you know, or, or sports in general or whatever he wants to do. So, you know, when as as he's letting you, you know, he's not putting any pressure on you did anything else or like any thoughts in your head ever, you know, go, Hey man, I, I don't want to be a part of real tree. I want to go out and make something of my own, whether that was, I don't know, a, a new company 
or going and working in a completely different category? Or did you always have the, the thought that you were going to find your way back? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of always had the thought I would try to find my way back here. Um, you know, I went, I went to college and, and just to see if there was some other things that I wanted to do. And I, I've even considered going to work for some other companies. Um, but ultimately I think with, you know, with my dad's age and knowing kind of where, where he was in life, like I knew he didn't want to, he didn't really want to, be here every day like he like he was now dad still comes into the office every day but i I knew there was a lot of room for me to grow here and to help this brand as much as possible um because i think you know realtree is a family brand and and that's just what uh that's kind of what i've always known and i really can't imagine myself being anywhere else i mean I, i love columbus too you know where we're based out of here in georgia um that I really couldn't imagine doing anything else. I think for me though, I just didn't ever want to put pressure on myself that, Hey, I had to be Bill Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of always beat my own path in, in a different way. And that's, yeah, I, I didn't want to feel like I had to go do TV shows right away. Right. I mean, on, to, and to be honest, like that's just not my number one passion inside this building. I really enjoy the business side of it. Um, the creation of camo patterns, the marketing, um, the different partners we work with. Um, while while I am doing the Realtree Road Trips show uh, for Realtree 365 and YouTube, I just didn't want to be another TV host and that be primarily what I do. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, there's just a lot more to this business that, that goes on day to day than just doing that because yeah. I feel like the TV stuff is what people see. But in reality, there is a whole nother aspect to this business with the hunting camo fishing stuff now uh, that we're doing. That's it's more than just going to Kansas, Nebraska and going to shoot a big whitetail. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of parts of this business that uh, that people don't know. I remember going to a show back with my dad when I was probably nine or 10 years old and uh, somebody came up to him and goes, Mr. Jordan, he said, I've, I've watched you for a long time. He said, but I, I have to ask you when it's not deer season, what do you, what do you do all the time? And dad, and dad just kind of playfully was like, you know, honestly, I, I don't, there's a lot of downtime. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's, <laughs> we, <laughs> he said, there's, there's a lot of downtime. We just kind of sit around and wait on deer season. Yeah. And he was messing with a guy. And, yeah. uh, but you know, there's, I, and I would say the summertime is, probably our busiest, uh, compared to even deer season. Um, so yeah, if that answers, if that answers your question at all, you know, and and I think what you've done here is, is a good move because trust me, I know a lot of people in the position where dude, my dad is the the founder and owner and the head honcho over at Realtree. And if I want to be on a TV show, I'm going to be on a TV show. Like you could have, you probably could have played that and you could have been the, the quote unquote next hunting personality. Right. But instead yeah. it sounds to me like you wanting to learn the ropes, learn the business is even a smarter move because at some point, and I don't know what the structure is over there or how this is going to work, but there's going to be an opportunity for you to 
to start running Realtree, maybe, I don't know, or take it into another direction at some point when, you know, there's that day where your dad goes, you know what, uh, my, I'm, I've done what I've done. It's time to, uh, to, to step away. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I, I honestly, Dan, don't, I don't want to say I don't enjoy the, the on camera stuff and, you know, traveling to different places, but and this is more than just being married, but I, you know, I've tried to limit just the amount of places that I go to, yeah. you know, whenever you're a week or two out of the office, you really do miss a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, there, this, this place, there's a lot going on. We have 1500 licensees. We also have added another department of our business in Realtree Fishing. We have a whole different pro staff and team over there. Um, I enjoy that as much or more than I do going to sit in a tree and shooting a hundred sixty inch whitetail. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that I, that I won't continue to do it hopefully for a long time, but it's a big reason why that I, I don't do anything on real tree outdoors on the outdoor channel. David Blanton does that. It's mostly him. Dad was doing it up until about three years ago. He had a, he had a stroke actually. Not, not a lot of people know that okay. about dad, but he's doing, he's actually doing, he's doing fine. I'd, I'd say he made about a hundred percent recovery. He still goes to the office every day. Um, but David is doing that show uh, on the outdoor channel with a few others that are just guest host. And that's why I wanted to just go a different direction with Realtree road trips on digital. And I would say that I, I primarily spend probably half of my deer season just here in Georgia. Yeah. And we don't have, you know, just monster deer like up there at the milk river or Nebraska um, or Kansas or anywhere for that matter. But I really just like being a part of trying to grow big deer here, uh, the management, uh, the food plots, um, and just, you just have more of a connection to it. Yeah. Um, I just, I get more out of that. So that's, yeah, that's a big reason. Yeah. So you had, you have these two, separate worlds because I, I, I often see, you know, I've talked with other people where I'm just going to say the Drury's, for example, right? Yeah. Mark and Terry, they, they grew uh, Drury outdoors into this massive, you know, creating a massive following. Um, they build a, a big brand and a big company behind it. And their kids came up in that, right? They didn't come up in the, Hey, you know, uh, it's Saturday, I'm going to hunt Saturday and Sunday, but then I got to go back to work. Right. Like they didn't, they didn't get the opportunity to hunt like that. So with you kind of coming up in the, the business and hunting side of it, did you ever get an opportunity to, I mean, was, was it always camera in front of your face? Was it always the. Uh, growing up and experiencing hunting, you know, like your first hunt ever was had a video camera on you or, or things like that. Or, or did you get the opportunity to go out and fail and go hunt by yourself and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. Um, so, I mean, most of the time, I I honestly, you know, when you're, when you're younger, you don't even really, the camera was just a thing. I mean, I, you know, from, when I, from I, I was sitting in a in my dad's lap since I was three years old with a camera there, and I shot my first deer, my first turkey, um, 
with a gun, you know, with the camera there. But to me, it's like almost like the camera wasn't there because right. just because I was, I was so used to them being there, um, you know, but actually bow hunting, um, I didn't start bow hunting until I was 14 or 15. I think I shot my first deer when I was 15, but I think I shot my first three or four whitetail by myself without a camera. Awesome. Um, so that was, uh, that was good. And I've actually, as, as I've gotten older, I, I killed two turkeys this past spring and I killed three the spring before without a camera. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't even know why. Well, I do, I do know why I, I just, there was something out there. There was something about that just being by myself. And actually the one, two years ago, I took my wife with me and we didn't, cause she didn't, she does not care for being on camera or being filmed, which is totally fine with me. Yeah. Um, so she went, she, she went out there with me and watched me shoot one. Um, but man, those were some of the best hunts. Yeah. Those were some of the best hunts. And, and uh, I think I just needed maybe just a little bit of a, a break yeah. from, from doing that every day with a camera. Cause during Turkey season, we hunt almost every day. And so it's kind of nice being able to go out there and, um, uh, fail on your own or have success on your own and yeah. just kind of sit there and take it all in. Yeah. Dude, that, that's impressive. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got, I'll be honest. That's, that's pretty impressive because a lot of people would almost, I feel like a lot of people, especially in this space would say business first has to be documented, have to go out and get it done or, or whatever it needs, but it needs to be filmed. And then, yeah, you know, you can go out and hunt, you can have your hunt, but it has to be filled. So acknowledging that you, just wanted to go out and be alone, man. I think that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a, a, another reason why I didn't want to do anything on the outdoor channel, nothing against that, but you know, we have 20 at one point, I think we had 20 original episodes. Um, but now I think it's 13, but still, when you think about 13 original episodes, that's a lot of hunts that you feel pressure to go out and get. Yeah. And so you have a little bit more leadway on the digital side of it. And then I have, another co-host that he actually works here in the video department, Brian Brown. And then we have Michael Pitts that's going to come on this fall. Um, and is going to be with us for a while, you know, doing some hunts too, but I don't, I just don't feel pressure because I, I just don't ever want to feel pressure of having to go out and get a hunt done. Yeah. Uh, that's just when it's not real fun to me. Yeah. Um, so it's nice just being able to get, when I do want to go take those breaks, like we don't lose a whole lot on the, on the footage side. Um, I don't feel like I let anybody down in here. Yeah. Um, it's nice just to go out there and enjoy it for what, for what it is, yeah. which is why we ultimately do it and do it anyway. Yeah. That's a fact, man. Um, so when it came, like, did you ever in your youth or even when you went into college? Cause I know I, when I got into high school, uh, I stepped away from it because of all the activities that were in the social life that came with high school same with college, and then after college is when I cannonballed kind of back into it. Uh, did you ever step away from it for a while and in, enjoy the the social or the sports or things like that? It step away from from, the from hunting stuff. No, just from hunting, hu hunting in general. Yeah, you. Know, uh, I would say that college, Dan, would probably. I mean, I stepped away from it a, a, a good amount there. There were definitely some, I mean, I did try to make it to Georgia some and Kansas uh, just because of my, when I was in school, my dad was still kind of traveling in the Milk River. 
I got to go my first Milk, Milk River trip when I was in in um, in college as well. But I definitely wasn't doing it all the time, and I got to go to a lot of uh, you know Ole Miss football games on the weekends instead yeah. of going and hunting or uh, go to Ole Miss baseball games during the spring. I still got to turkey hunt a lot around Mississippi, but um, I think those years I got to step away is you know, as much or as little as I wanted to. Um, So, you know, those four to five years, just being away, not only from the hunting side or the on camera stuff, but just even from the business too, um, and just making new friends and, uh, you know, not putting maybe a whole lot of pressure on myself. I will say like in high school, I always, I don't even know why I did this, but I did feel pressure with my dad getting older I could see that he was wanting to take a step back. He was pretty vocal about not wanting to be an aging TV host. Right. <laughs> um, and, and which is, which is fine. You know, I, I still feel like dad has an, an insane amount of value and people always ask, you know, where he's at, but he just, he just kind of knew when he wanted to call it, call it good. You yeah. know, not to say he'll never hunt in front of the camera again. Um, he still does a little bit here at home, but um I think in, when I was in high school, I was like, man, I, I need to like get in here. You know, I need to step into the step into the business, whether it be to fill a role on camera or just step in here to this business in general and learn as much as possible. Um, but, you know, my mom and dad both were always they encouraged me to go off to school, which I'm really happy they did that. Yeah. You know, dad never put that pressure on me. I kind of put that pressure on myself. Um, but I'm I'm really glad that I didn't listen to my instincts right then because i think if i would have if nobody would have kind of been in my ear i may have tried to stay here and go right into the business yeah um it was nice to have a little bit of a break and you know not feel like i had to contribute right away and just kind of grow up and be a kid yeah. in a sense yeah i tell you this uh, especially out here in iowa there's a lot of, you know, obviously the, the farming state and throughout the Midwest, I, I've had the opportunity to talk with people. A couple of my brother's friends um, grew up in like a, a farming family and the dad was just like, listen, man, for the next four years, go to college, go party, yeah. go do the college life. Because when you come back to the farm, it's the farm, right? That's you, right. You know, the cattle they you know there's no vacation for the cattle there's no you know they they get their time and they get to go do their things but you're fully committed when you come back so if you don't go out and go do that right now you're gonna get burnt out and then who knows what happens if you decide to tough it out or you say hey man this farming thing ain't for me but either way uh you know the outcome isn't the greatest so go do your thing and so there was always that that motivation from the family to go step away for a while and it will always be back it will be back here when you're you're either ready or you you made the decision to not do it that's right that's right and i'm so happy that you know that i have parents that were very supportive of that because if they had been any other way, like, I don't know, maybe you should, you know, go to college local and stay in the business. I, I mean, I probably would have listened to them. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that they both kind of recognize that for me. Um, and maybe they saw that I was putting a little bit of pressure on hurrying and getting out of school yeah. and diving in right away. And at, at the time I was like, man, I will fully commit a hundred percent to this and be 
happy, but you're right. I don't know. I, I could have easily burned out. Yeah. And I don't even, I could have a totally different perspective. I know I wouldn't have met my wife, so that would yeah. have definitely sucked. Yeah. Um, but I would have had maybe a totally di- different perspective on, uh, this business and life from what I do now. So yeah. I'm thankful that they kind of pushed me to step away and, um, and, and just be a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, there is a relationship as a, you know, you and your dad have the father son relationship, but in a way you yeah. also have the, the boss employee relationship. Um, has there ever been a time, and this is just uh, kind of a more of a curious question. Have, has there ever been a time when you and your dad maybe haven't seen eye to eye on the business level and you said, Hey man, I really think we should try this. And your dad's like, Nope, we're not going to do it. And, uh, and it's caused some tension. Man, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I I don't want people to listen to this. And so my dad is my best friend. Yeah. Um, he was the best man in my wedding and we have a great relationship. I mean, we can sit in here and not agree on things and argue, but we're going to leave here and be completely fine. Yeah. Um, and I'm so thankful to have that kind of relationship with my dad. You know, I never, like sometimes I'll leave a meeting or leave a moment with him in this office and not be happy. But we talk about every night, you know, he'll, he'll call me seven, eight o'clock every night. And we talk about whatever the topic is. It can be about business or we're talking about a Braves game that we're watching. Um, but yeah, that's been, um, you know, I've always, and I actually took a class too at, at Ole Miss about family business. And I, you know, naive, I was, I was thinking, man, me and my dad, we'll, I mean, we obviously argue, but I said, we'll never get into that kind of dispute where it's crazy. Well, no, I can definitely see where family business is really hard. Yeah. Um, and I, and I see it more now, uh, than I did four or five years ago. Um, but, you know, there, there are many things. I think just older generation, um, you know, he's 72, I'm 30. Um, they're different. He's not on social media, does not understand social media, which is, which is fine. I mean, I think he, uh, he, understand, he understands the basics of it, which is, which is fine. But there are, there are many instances where we sit in here and argue and do not agree. And I can be really frustrated. Yeah. Um, but that is just normal. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm we're, I'm lucky to have good good people in here that I can talk talk about some of my frustrations with, um, and they maybe help me see it from a different perspective, or you know they they agree, or you know me and Dad can talk it out later on and uh, kind of have a better understanding. But no, we I mean we definitely have had moments in here. You know, we try not to let it. Uh, you know, too much in front of people. But I mean, I think, you know, dad, if he says something, it, it is the way it is. You yeah. know, there's not a, maybe a, a ton of people that, um, not a huge rebuttal. And yeah. then like, so I sometimes feel like I'm the only one that can maybe say something. Yeah. So sometimes I do stick my neck out there and, um, and vocal, but, and it, and we can kind of get a little, it, it's heated conversation, but yeah. it's not, it's nothing, it's nothing crazy though. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, I mean, we're, we're coming at it for the right reasons. And that's what dad and I always tell each other. Like we always have 
what we feel is the companies and the, the employees here or partners, uh, best, best in, um, their best intention in our heart. Yeah. Um, and that's healthy, right? I mean, if, if there was just this, and I'm not, I'm not saying your father is a dictator, but in this, uh, in this role, if, if you don't ever question those decisions, who knows if it's the right thing or not for any type of business move, whether you're pouring concrete and there's a, maybe a better way to do it, or, you know, from a marketing standpoint and it gets a company out, you know, out there more, I feel like any leader should be questioned by people who, cause I mean, just the age alone and the generational gap alone and the importance of, cause here I'll say, I'll just put it this way in the hunting industry. There was a, a time where the good old boys club said, man, I don't, we don't need social media. You know, we don't, uh, this, this Facebook thing, you know, or, or what is a podcast? You know, we're, I'm not, I'm not going to talk on a podcast, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's just excuses. And so now when they have enough of the younger generation speaking up to them and saying, Hey, listen, you have to do this or you're not going to, you're not going to succeed. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Then, then, uh, then they change their tone a little bit and, and it takes the business and maybe just a little bit of a direction for the, for the positive. Right. So that's right. It, it's probably good that you are where you are because there's might be some other people in there who would just let stuff slide by and it, it, it would be just a void opportunity. No. And, and, and dad, I'm sure a lot of business owners, especially when you have birthed this business, yeah. um, you know, from, from 1986 for, for anybody, it's really tough to relinquish or let go of anything. And you have always, and he's, you know, it's hard to say that somebody is wrong. Uh, uh, you know, when they've been in the business for 35 plus years right. now, and right. they have been, they've been successful. So it's tough for me, you know, being 30, and, uh, you know, offering my opinion, uh, you know, to come in here and try to overrule or, you know, look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it, it definitely, it, it has its challenges. Um, but, you know, we've always, I don't know, we've been really, I've been really lucky with that. I mean, dad, dad and I, dad and I almost argue like a brother would. Right. And, and we just, we leave on we always say, man, we can argue, but we are always going to leave on good terms. Yeah. I mean, he just comes from a whole different generation of, you know, television, print. Um, he does not understand digital. Yeah. My dad has never watched an episode of The Hunting Public. He's never seen Seek One. Yeah. Um, you know, which we just signed the Seek One guys. And so that was a big, like, that was my, like, I've been after that deal for a little while. And, you know, not that dad was ever against it, but he always wanted to just understand like what, what's going on here. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, it's just a, a totally different deal that you have to persuade uh, or, you know, tell him about their impact on the industry that he just does not understand. And will maybe never understand, but you know, um, but, it, but it's all, it's all good though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I, I want to pivot just a, a little bit now and, and, get into some of the hunting, right? So, uh, as you grow up and as you, uh, you know, in the space you get to, you're, you're around other great hunters. You're around other, I guess, uh, talent or, or personalities and things like that. And, 
And so as you're around this and you get to go hunting and you've even mentioned that uh, you get to go hunting, you know, by yourself without the cameras and all that stuff. Is there a specific time of year or a specific hunt uh, or species that you just really look forward to every single year? Yeah, I think everybody thinks I'm always going to say whitetail, but turkey hunting for me is my favorite. Man, you um, Southern guys are I crazy. Would, you, you know how know, many people, yeah, you, I don't know how many guys I've talked to south of Missouri or, you know, into yeah. the Kentucky, down into the southeast. They're just like, you know, I love whitetails, but I, I like, I love turkey hunting and it, it blows my mind because I'm the, I'm the opposite. Yeah, I, I don't, and I, yeah, so you're, you're deer hunting first, obviously. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I mean, and deer hunting would be really close, too. Like, I'm so psyched right now getting ready for deer season. But, yeah. man, if they had a fall turkey season and they act like they did in the, in the spring, it would be really hard for me. And I don't really know what it is. Um, you know, tur- it's just like it's been such a big part. It was the first thing I ever did with my dad. And it, it, and for whatever, it just it does not get old to me. I've been sitting in my dad's lap turkey hunting since I was three or four years old. Still have a lot of the same calls that I did, um, you know, when I was that age. And I, something about the, you know, trying to persuade one to get right in close enough for a shot. Um, I get such a thrill taking somebody to go shoot a turkey for the first time, more so than I do a deer for the first time. Right. Uh, I took uh, the Undertaker. Uh, his name's Mark Mark Calloway. Took him two years ago yeah. uh, on our place. Or we have a big lease in Alabama, and he shot two turkeys here. And he has uh, deer hunted a little bit. He has done some waterfowl stuff, um, but he said, you know, he's a big old guy. And yeah. he, you know, he killed a little seventeen pound turkey, and uh, he said, man, I've done a I've done a lot of different types of hunting, but that's the that's the most that's the most thrilling thing I've ever done. Yeah. He said, I, I, I will do that every year from here on out. And I'm like, dang, like, that's awesome to me. Yeah. Like, cause he sees it like I do, like, you know, um, and there've been so many people like that that I've taken um, that have the same experience. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but when you have one, you know, 20, 30 yards or less and they gobble and you can feel it in your chest. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that gobble hits you. I mean, there, that, that adrenaline rush of that does not get old to me. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's my first love. I, I yeah. don't, I don't know. Um, but bow hunting whitetails is definitely, definitely a close second. Um, yeah. Turkey's just been, has been just, I feel like just a huge part of my DNA. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you this, man, don't get me wrong. I, I, I say I don't get excited about turkey hunting, but I do. And my, the thing that gets me jacked up the most is when, I don't know, uh, you're sitting, you're calling a Tom, he's working his way in, and maybe he goes silent, right? We've all been there before. Right. Uh, then you, you you don't know where he's at, and all of a sudden you can you can feel or you can hear that th- boom, right? Like, oh, right. Right. You can, it's yeah. so close to you. I'm getting goosebumps talking yes. about it. Yeah, and, I am too. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and you know he's behind you or, or he's close, you just can't see him yet, and – maybe he hammers right next to you or maybe he comes in and, and it, you know, it works out or it doesn't, but that is to me the most exhilarating part of turkey hunting. And 
I don't know now after saying that out loud why I don't get that jacked up about turkey hunting like I do whitetail. Maybe it's because all of my time and energy throughout the year goes to whitetails. But either way, mm-hmm. you know, either way, I did. I, I, I love, don't get me wrong, I love turkey hunting. And, and it's what's awesome about that Undertaker deal is that you took a guy out turkey hunting and now you've just introduced a new hunter to turkey hunting right i mean he's not necessarily a new hunter but take take the name undertaker away from it take who you are away from it one hunter took another guy turkey hunting and now he's a lifelong turkey hunter dan he bought 200 acres after that in texas he lives in austin (laughs) he bought 200 acres to turkey hunt it and we were going to go this spring but he was filming a deal for uh you know, he got inducted. Uh, I, I didn't grow up watching WWE yeah. or anything, but he, he just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. And so he couldn't go. He was filming a whole documentary and getting ready for that. I think that the the, the uh, induction was like April 9th. Yeah. So it kind of messed up his, his whole spring. But he bought a farm just to turkey hunt. And like you said, take take away. Like, I, it's definitely cool we took the Undertaker. Yeah. And there's a little bit of pride there. But for me, I don't care who it is. For somebody like that to say that's the most thrilling thing he's ever done. He's deer hunted. He's waterfowl hunted. And now he's bought 200 acres just to turkey hunt. Yeah. And he sends me pictures, you know, from his place. That, like, golly, I, I get so much. There's so much pride oh, yeah. in that for me as a hunter that, hey, you may be, he, now he wants to take his daughter on a turkey hunt. You know, he doesn't, and I don't, I don't know. That just, there's a, like I, 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 that just gets me so fired up that we, you know, maybe introduce not just him, but maybe now a whole nother generation, uh, in his family that may have an interest in it. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And, and on the best part is, is that platform, there's always that opportunity that he shares hunting to the rest of the world. Right. And that's what we, that's kind of what we need, right? We need these positive images of people in high places enjoying hunting. Yeah, and that's and that's what he did too. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I don't. So the Undertaker name, um, you know, he was able to get approval. Anything he he posts, like he has to get approval from the WWE. Yeah. Well, that's something he really wanted to do was post about his turkey hunt, and he, you know, he got an opportunity to do that. And you know, he's, I didn't realize it at the time, Dan. I really did not know the impact he had. Like I've hunted with some cool people before, but he definitely is the most famous person I've ever hunted with yeah by far yeah um so yeah to get that kind of exposure for our industry and our community and to see his genuine excitement is really what it's all about you know and i I sometimes see comments on social media like man i would love for you know take an average person hunting or you know but you always take celebrities hunting well yeah i mean we do get asked to take some of these people hunting but you know what's so cool to me is that they're they're genuinely excited about it and hopefully more and more people that I can't reach or that, you know, very few people in our industry can reach are, you know, they're reaching uh, the non-endemic market now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's a fact. It was definitely cool. That's a fact. So of all, okay. So turkey hunting, right. Um, you, you hunt almost every day of the turkey. Do you keep it in the Southeast or do you spread around up into the Nebraska's of the world or do you chase Merriam's or, or Rio's? You know, I have not, I have not shot many. Uh, I've shot one Rio. Um, I've shot one or two Merriams. 
Um, so I don't get out there a whole lot. I, I, I primarily hunt uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. Um, and it kind of goes back to we, we do a lot of entertainment on the turkey hunting side yeah. uh, for, you know, different licensed partners. Um, so we try to stay in and around home as much as possible. Um, so I, I don't get to go further than, you know, I, I do want to go do uh, the oscillated. I'm, I'm planning on trying to go do that in February. I've never done it before. Um, but I, I don't get to go, go like, yeah. like I would like, I mean, yeah. we, we do it. We do it. We do a lot of tur- turkey hunt is just really easy. It's almost like a quail hunt. It's just really good for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do try to use it for that as much as possible. And that's why I kind of stay in and around home. But um, I definitely would like to go do more Rio and, and, and Merriam hunts. Yeah, absolutely. That That's one of my things is I, I want a, I want a Merriam. And uh, it's just a matter of taking time and going and going and doing it. So I got to I got to. They're gorgeous. Yeah. Got to get better at my schedule. I got one. I got one from Nebraska and got it mounted. And we do, we do go. We have been out there the last three years, but um, I didn't get to go this past year just because of work stuff. But yeah. um, but no, it's it's awesome. Yeah. What it's about what about uh, whitetails? You know, all over the place in the southeast or whatnot. But is there outside of Georgia? Is there any place that's just like, dude, I, I can't wait to go on this particular trip or hunt this particular state every single year? Yeah, this is probably going to be no surprise to you and for people that have watched Monster Bucks and Realtree Outdoors um, throughout the years. But the Milk River in Montana is just one of those special places to me. It, it almost has that same sentimental value of uh, turkey hunting because I grew up I just I, I, when I was younger, I always I always felt like dad was going to the Milk River. Yeah. Whenever he was leaving home, it's like, I'm going to the Milk River. Uh, he did a lot of entertainment from out there. But, you know, those, um, I think, Realtree kind of put that spot on the map. But then, in a, in a way, the Milk River kind of put Realtree on a map to yeah. separate us. I mean, everybody everybody wanted to watch those hunts and those, uh, those videos and those TV shows from out there. So, unfortunately last fall they you know i think it's been about 10 years ago now my, my first hunt out there was going to be 10 years ago and that's when they had the bad ehd yeah i remember well I, I didn't get to go out there this past year either because i think they lost about 70 80 percent of their deer uh, last year so um i ended up not even putting in this year just because i'd like for them to bounce back but i don't know what it is that you know we luckily don't have it it's catastrophic down here. We may occasionally find one or two deer, but man, th- those deer can just get wiped out from up there. Yeah. When uh, they're it does as concentrated to, as they are. It's very concentrated. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with their immune system, but I mean, it just wipes them clean, but it seems like whenever they come back, like, like they did the last time, uh, there seems to be more, seems to be bigger deer yeah um you know when, whenever dad hunted in its heyday i mean you would have your 150 160 inch deer occasionally bigger um but now it seems like there's there's some mammoths out there yeah um that was that was actually dad's last hunt uh before his stroke and he has not traveled since but he shot a 184 inch whitetail out there um 
and that that may be his last year that he ever travels for again. But um, you know, that's just a it's a very it's just a special place for the reasons you mentioned. It's concentrated. Um, you you feel like that whenever you wake up in the morning. Uh, we don't hunt in the mornings usually, but when you wake up and you see those deer leave these alfalfa fields and you can get a general sense of the, the direction they're going. And most of the time, they're not going to be within 100, 200 yards from when you last see them. And so you can go hang and hunt and the odds are decent that they're going to, they're going to come walking by. Yeah. Um, if, if they, if they go to a, uh, a location where, where you can kind of get a stand up in, uh, you know, you're going to have a, a chance of that deer within the next few days. Um, so that's why that place has just been, been a lot. And then, you know, secondly, I would say Georgia, um, is, is another one. I just, you know, I shot a really big deer here last year. Um, he, he grossed 189 and we just don't have deer like that every year. Um, and, and so it's a deer we've been watching for a couple of years. Um, but we got some up and comers this year, nothing quite as big, but, you know, just being a part of the year round process instead of just going and, and maybe that's, and maybe that's partly why I just, I like staying around home as much as possible is just trying to grow and get these deer bigger, uh, because you are involved in every day instead of just a couple months, like in most places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, the more. I don't know. This is how I feel. The more you can focus on uh, maybe a specific property, and I know a lot of guys who are into the habitat management side of things, once they start to get into that, they have a, a it's not that their appreciation for the animal is different than someone who doesn't have that opportunity, but they, they get to understand the whitetail or the, and the ecosystem and how they work together. And you just, you get to understand deer behavior a little bit more. And, and I always get a kick out of that. Yeah. There, there's just a lot that goes into it, Yeah, especially around here. I mean, we just, we've thinned out a lot of timber on our farm these last few years. Um, we put in a, you know, I think, hardest thing for us is to have enough bedding cover um you know we we always try to we have a large we have just have a large population of deer on the farm um and you know ever since we started thinning out timber you know we've created some green screens to provide you know uh, extra bedding cover for these deer and just in two or three years although we've always had pretty good hunting um and have been able to take some nice deer i mean just that that little bit of work that we've put in is just it's changed the habits of our deer. And, and we, I think we have bigger deer uh, than maybe we've ever had. And so, you know, just and in, in seeing that and being part of the planning process up here and understanding why we do things, there's just a different sense of uh, pride um, in that than, and not, that's not to say I don't enjoy going to Kansas and, you know, scouting and, you know, figuring out, uh, we have a little, we have a 300 acre lease up there. It's not to say I don't enjoy that, but we just, we're not as much involved as the day to day as we hear on Realtree Farms. Yeah. Um, and there's just a lot, you know, being able to do that alongside dad and we have people that work up there. It's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the standard, I guess, turkeys, whitetails, um, I don't know. Have you ever been mule deer or elk hunting before? Man. Okay. So yeah, I've, I've killed, uh, I've killed three mule deer. Okay. And I've actually, I got to go do that in Alberta. 
And, okay. I, and, I, and I've elk hunted too. I'm actually, it's probably going to surprise some people. I mean, I feel like elk hunting is everybody's favorite, but mine. And that's not to say I do not love elk hunting. Um, when it's elk season though, I just, I think about where I could be deer hunting. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of, and that's not to say I don't, don't love it. I know pe- people think I'm crazy when I say that, but mule deer would be actually a really close, even though I've only had a chance at three, um, it would probably be a close second with whitetail. Uh, I've gone up there to Alberta. Um, I've hunted in Grand Prairie. And, you know, it's spot and stalk out there. And most of that land up there is very flat. But it's a lot of fun because you, you ride around and you look in these big pea fields, canola fields. And sometimes you'll just see the tip of these racks. Um, and then you kind of, you know, there'll be a bachelor groups early season. I've, I've usually always gone that first week of September um, and then, you know, watching those deer bed and then trying to get in position, play the wind right. Um, and, you know, mule deer, a little bit, a little bit dumber than a whitetail. So you can get a little bit closer usually. Um, but that is so fun. I've, I've yeah. shot two out there with, with a bow. Other one I shot was with a rifle. Um, first one I shot was 74 yards. The second one I shot was 73 and they give you a little bit more time when they stand up. They don't just get out of there. Yeah. Um, typically, you know, they get up and give you a little bit more time, but they kind of look at you. You're able to get drawn back, um, you know, squeeze off a shot. But I really enjoy doing that. And yeah. I, I would I would do it again. We just couldn't do it the last couple of years. Can't do it this year. We're going to Nebraska early season. Um, we have a group we're going to entertain out there for the opener on September 1st. So, couldn't make it to to Canada, but I'm hoping to do that again soon. Yeah. I tell you what, man, I'm obsessed with mule deer right now. Like it's the only, I, I'm, that's what, that's what my mind is on. Like, I know I'm lucky. I live in Iowa, right? So I have the the opportunity to hunt some, some pretty decent property and hunt some, you know, hunt some really good whitetail spots. But my mind is in South Dakota and Nebraska trying to, trying to connect with a mule deer. I, I, I've gotten close. I got an arrow in yeah. one. It didn't work out. And so here I am. Like, I just want, I, I'm going to shoot the first legal mule deer. I don't care what size it is. <laughs> like that. I, I just want, you. I want to be able to say I've killed a mule deer. Yeah. So what's your reason? What's your reason for being so obsessed with it right now? You think it's different than whitetails. I mean, really it, yeah. it's that. And, Man, I'll tell you this. I um I I love the, you know, some guys will say I love the mountains, but there's something about the prairie or the the badlands of uh, South Dakota where you can get on a high point and you can see forever until your vision stops, right? I mean, until right. And there's nothing there. You may see a, like a phone tower and I love the feeling of feeling small. And so in that terrain, chasing those animals, man, that's combined. That's what, that's what I think about. And that's what I love. Yeah. Gosh, you're, you're right. I just, I love being able to put the stalk on one. Oh yeah. Um, and, and to me, you know, they're just, they're typically a little bit bigger than a whitetail and just different. And, yeah. you know, when we're, when we're up there in Canada and they're in their summer coat, there's just, I really don't believe there's a prettier animal. Right. Uh, you know, my, my wife, I got a lot of whitetail mounted and 
I got two mule deer that I got mounted and my wife made me move both the mule deer to our house just cause she loves the way they look. Yeah. And, um, and, and both of them are in velvet and, uh, they're just gorgeous. Yeah. They're just gorgeous. I have such an, an appreciation for the way you hunt them and, and you know, white tail hunting is a little bit more stationary. Yeah. Um, you're a little bit, you know, trying to sit in a tree and wait, which is, which is fun, but I love being able to get out and go stalk and sometimes sit on these deer for three plus hours. There've been times where I sat on a deer for, man, the one, the second one I killed up there in Canada, we were on the deer for 10 hours, Dang, 10 hours. Um, and it was just the biggest one we had seen. And he wasn't just a giant for up there, but I think he scored like 173. Uh, which is not just the, the the biggest that we had seen up there, but we were on day 11 of the hunt. And so I said, let's just sit on this deer. We know exactly where he went in. It may take him till dark, which it did, uh, to come back out. But um, I don't know. That, that, and something about being ground level and drawing back and that deer looking at you, <laughs> that's a different kind of adrenaline rush. That I just don't get Heck with yeah. the whitetail because both the mule deer I shot with a bow out there, the mule deer saw me. Like yeah. he saw me draw back. He saw me, you know, he's looking at me um, and being able to squeeze off that shot with that kind of pressure. That's just fun. Yeah. That's just fun. I I, I I love it so much. It's it's killing me talking about it right now that I can't get back up there this season, but yeah. I, I'm definitely going to make it a point here in the next couple of years. Heck yeah. Well, Tyler, man, I tell you this, um, I've, I've taken up an hour of your time already. I, I appreciate you coming on and, and BSing with us and talking about your life and, and uh, the, the outdoors and whatnot. And, and so thank you very much. And let me just say good luck this fall, man. I appreciate it, Dan. And thank you so much. I'm, I love, I hopefully we don't make it a, make it as long next time as it took this first time. Hopefully we'll come back on here soon and, and talk about, you know, hopefully uh, our successful hunts this fall, but um you know, for everybody listening, I'm actually leaving here in a couple of days. I don't, I don't know when this show will air, but um, we're, we're releasing a new waterfowl pattern, Realtree Max 7. Yeah. And so uh, for all the waterfowl hunters, um, this was actually kind of my first stab at a, at a pattern with dad. Uh, I, I went in the background of this pattern as a picture I took after duck season was over three years ago in Mississippi. And I remember when I took it, I called my dad. I was like, I may be crazy, but I really feel like this is something we can work with. And, and actually this one picture, um, this muddy breakup background um, is, is where we started with this new, new waterfowl pattern. So excited about that. We have a couple other patterns in the works right now, but um, excited to show everybody this one. Awesome. Well, hopefully the launch goes uh, pretty good or goes well, and uh, we'll get you on the hunting gear podcast and you can break it all down for us. Sound sounds great. Thank you, Dan, so much. And there you have it, guys. Really appreciate you all for taking time out of your day listening to this episode. Huge shout out to Tyler. Uh, man, excellent episode. I loved, I, I really liked this one. Uh, huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt Stand, Vortex. Please go out and support these brands uh, and the the brands on the uh, you know other brands like Interstate Batteries, Bowtech, Go Wild, and Moultrie Mobile. Uh, these companies support this free content. 
basically. They support me so I can make a living doing this. I put out all this great content for you guys for free, and uh, and hopefully it can remain that way. I, I want it to. So a huge shout out to the, those brands. Huge shout out to you. If you wouldn't be so inclined, could you please go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast? Leave us a five-star review. Whether you listen on the Nine Finger Chronicles feed or you listen on the Sportsman's Empire feed, uh, give us a five-star review. That We would really appreciate that. That helps us out a lot. And uh, lastly, man, it's uh, getting closer. I mean, it's getting closer day by day by day by day. And I'm thinking about it more and more and more. Checking off the honeydew lists. Um, uh, stacking the brownie points so that way when it's time to hunt i'm going balls to the wall i'm not leaving a messy household when i leave and uh, i'm really looking forward to this um, these upcoming weeks these upcoming months and uh i don't know i'm jacked for this season hopefully you guys are too good vibes in good vibes out and if you're gonna get in a tree man wear your safety harness have a good one Thank you.